Welcome to The Bee Podcast. The mission of The Bee is to create an inspiring platform for all women of every age to have meaningful conversations with the intent to genuinely understand each other's journey, to listen to stories similar and different than our own, engage in each other's triumphs and failures, hear and validate one another on the separate unique journeys we have traveled, the loss we have endured, the joy we have encountered, and the reason behind the lessons we have learned. Bees symbolize community, personal growth, and power. And that is what we aim to do here. Create community, foster growth, and empower women. I'm Cami Milliken, and this is The Bee Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of The Bee Podcast. Lisa Bishop is a mother of three who unexpectedly lost the love of her life suddenly one warm summer day. She joins us today to share the story of her loss, how she navigated life as a young mother, the healing she's experienced, and the hope she has in the future. Please take a listen to Lisa's inspiring story here on The Bee. Hi everyone, today I have Lisa Bishop with me. Lisa, I'm so glad that you're here sharing your story. How are you? I'm good, Cammie, how are you? Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely, thank you so much for being here. So Lisa, tell us just a little bit about um, your family and your life currently. Well, um, I live here in town, um, three kids, Madison, Quinton, and Ellie, and we are just trying to survive this pandemic. Yeah, right, like all of us. (laughs) Who knows what school's going to look like, which, yeah. And yeah, so tell us what you do for a career. Okay. So I'm a sign language interpreter and I'm currently working um, with the Atoma school district and yeah, yeah. Kind of waiting for school to start. Waiting to figure out some normal stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I know it. Okay. So Lisa, you are here to be talking a little bit about your husband and his passing. So let's start just by talking about the backstory or your beginning to meeting Tony and what life was like when you first met. Okay. Well, I, um, I knew Tony a little bit in high school. We did. I mean, I knew who he was in high school. He was a strong athlete, played football and, you know, I just knew him. He was a couple years younger than me. You know, that that's just kind of how I knew him a little bit, but, um, didn't hang out with him or anything like that. And then, um, I don't know. I, uh, I was with my, my sister and brother-in-law and um, my brother-in-law actually worked with Tony and we were at a um, St. Patrick's Day party. And so that was the first time I met Tony. And we, I don't know, we just, we really hit it off. We, it was a couple of years before we started dating, but uh, you know, we would see each other and just always kind of drawn to each other, you know, had like hanging around each other, I think. So. Right. You just enjoy each other's company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is kind of a rare thing when the older you get, the more if you're like me, I'm like, I just don't really like hanging out with that many people. So, so when you <laughs> well, do was, find someone, yeah, yeah, I was still kind of young. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, yeah, it's been a few years ago, but anyway. Yeah. So what were some of your favorite uh, memories before you got married and maybe after you got married? What were your favorites? Well, Tony was just, he just had such a great personality and, you know, he loved people and people loved him. Um, he was fun to be around and we just liked being around each other. I mean, he had been married. He had two daughters that he would get every other weekend. And so when he would have his girls, you know, I, I met them early on, you know, when they were little and then, you know, when it was just he and I, I mean, we just, you know, we both worked, we both were committed to our jobs and stuff, but we just hung out and yeah. Yeah. We didn't travel a lot or anything like that. I mean, we, we dated maybe a year and a half before we got married. So that you just, yeah, you enjoyed each other's company, which was wonderful. Yeah. So then let's talk about after you got married, what was life like when you started, mm-hmm. to, you know, after marriage, what was life like for you? Well, together? we were always involved in our church and, um, you know, raising the kids, we were involved in whatever the kids were involved in. If Maddie was playing softball and Tony was one of the coaches, if, Quentin was playing basketball. Tony was one of the coaches. I mean, we just were always, and it, and I told somebody one time, you know, I was always used to sitting on the bleachers by myself. So after he died, that didn't really change because that's where I would have been anyway, is sitting by myself, watching the kids, whatever they were doing. Because he was coaching. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the kids weren't 4-H when they were little and church activities and things like that. And like I said, we just, we always did everything as a family. Yeah. Yeah. Those memories I'm certain are just priceless. Right. They absolutely are. So then 
let's see. Okay. So the ages of your kids, what are the spans of years between? So when Tony passed away, um, Ellie had just turned four in April and he died in June and Maddie and Quentin both have June birthdays and they, he actually collapsed the day before Quentin's ninth birthday. And then he died the day after Quentin's ninth birthday. And um, Madison had just turned 13. So they were 13, nine and four. So uh, Maddie and Ellie, there's nine years difference between them. Which can be hard to navigate when you're trying to plan for a night or, a, you know, a 13 year old and a four year old for sure. Yeah. Well, and, you know, really Tony did a lot of stuff with the older kids and I did a lot of stuff with Ellie, you know, just because of their ages and, and it's, it is, it's harder with that nine year gap. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so he was the one that would be taking them out and doing stuff with them a lot if, you know, if Ellie needed a nap or whatever. And yeah. I, so I'm really glad that they had that time with him. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So can you share, if you're comfortable, the story of him passing? Well, um, it was a complete and utter shock. I did not know that he was not healthy. He did not know that he was not healthy. He was actually umpiring a softball game down at the girls softball field and he this was the championship games and he had been umpiring the night before they play the playoffs to see who actually plays in the championship games and so the kids and I were at that game the night before watching the game and then the storm came up out of nowhere and Tony had to call the game and um, so what that meant was um, the next day when the championship game started he had to start the game earlier to see who was going to play in the championship and Madison, her team made it to the championships and she was in a different um, division. And so he was at the ball field before us and um, they were on one field. And then when we got there with Madison and then her game started, so she finishes her game and he is then um, umpiring the championship game and he had been um, behind the plate for the first game but and they always have two umpires for the second game or for the championship games and so he wanted to be out in the outfield so he could kind of keep an eye on what was going on over her game from time to time too and and so he and the other umpire switched places so and I saw him from time to time you know just kind of glance over and see where she was at and uh, you know there's not a doubt in my mind that he doesn't know that her team won that night after her game was over with and they had won her coaches wanted to take them to Graham's for ice cream. And so a thought ran through my mind. I thought maybe I should run over and tell Tony we're leaving. And then I thought, no, we'll be back before he even knows we're gone. We're just going to run to Graham's and come right back. So we left and went to get ice cream and we were gone maybe 10 minutes. And um, I got a phone call while we were standing in line and it was a friend of ours who was also on the softball board. And she just said to me, Tony has collapsed on the field. Um, he's still alive, but you need to get here right away. And instantly I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, what, what does that even mean? You know, I, I was trying to wrap my mind around my husband's collapsed. He's still alive. You know what? And uh, so we got back in my car and away we went and got over to the field. And when we got there, he was on the field. Um, there were three guys that were with him at that time. And I went out on the field to see, you know, what was going on and he was unconscious. And so the ambulance came and they, I, I think at first they thought that he had had a heart attack and I, you know, so I was giving them the information, you know, he doesn't have heart problems. He, you know, whatever, what, whatever his status was. And so we got to the hospital and we were just waiting in the emergency room, you know, to see what was going on with him. And they were kind of working on him. And um, I remember um, our minister had gotten there for some reason. I don't know how he heard about it, but I was glad that he was there. And uh, a couple other friends had kind of come in, people that had been at the ball field or whatever. And I remember my sister walked in and, you know, I'd been really strong through all of that, you know, cause I was just so confused and she walked in and I just, just let go. You know, I mean, it was like that, it was just such a relief to see her and, and, you know, have her, my older sister, um, there supporting me. Anyway, we ended up, um, it's kind of a long story, but we ended up going to Iowa city because they determined about midnight that it was a brain aneurysm. 
and the doctor said that they needed to get him out of there and um and again still unconscious um so they took him to iowa city and then um i rode up with my father-in-law and my mother-in-law we got there just before he did so so then during this time you're trying to you know keep it together and um the kids were not there right a friend of mine funny um how this worked um a friend of mine saw me driving erratically <laughs> i was driving very fast across the bridge and um, right. <laughs> she was coming in the other direction and saw the ambulance behind me and knew that something had happened and so she turned around and followed us over there so she actually got out of her car and got in my car with my kids while we were out on the field and you know kind of distracting them and stuff did from... the kids know that what had gone on well yeah i i mean i think so i mean i'm sure i must have i mean they knew apparently what i what, what we were there for um dad was in trouble dad was in trouble and they knew that they i said to them stay in the car um and so yeah. then with her but i you know i'm sure they were still watching from where they were at and could see that the ambulance was there and that and you know that he was on a stretcher and and that they were taking him away and knew that i was with him so that was probably comforting to them as well to know that i was with them and then she took the kids and uh, took them to her house and actually ended up keeping them for a couple of days for me yeah. while we were dealing with what we were right. dealing with in iowa city so yeah you had been trying to keep it together for so long and then it must have been oddly like a, a nice release though when you saw your sister in feeling like oh my gosh i can finally let oh, go yeah. for a second yeah yeah well um, and then my mom came out and tony's parents i called tony's parents and they came out right away and just an onslaught of people coming out and we were all in the um, we'd gone into the waiting room and we were just there you know it, just to get so much support and you know i mean like i said tony had so many great friends that you know we were all just shocked with with this and trying to process it and you know we were just kind of all there together and praying and and yeah. um just not knowing what what, what was going to happen right so can you talk a little bit about the emotions that you felt during that incident yeah i mean it, it was just so surreal it was just so hard to wrap my mind around what was going on and um when we got to iowa city and we were in the waiting room and i just happened to look up and i when i saw the ambulance pull up with him that was the first time that it really hit me that he might not make it and I, and i hadn't thought that at all the um the nurse had said to me you know we're going to send him to iowa city you need to go home and get some clothes something to take up there with you and i said for for how long and she said uh, two or three days, just give, you know, and you know, that sounds hopeful to me. I know he hasn't woken up yet, but they didn't say anything like he wasn't going to wake up. Yeah. And so, um, but when I saw the ambulance pull up and, and they were bringing him in, it just really hit me. Like I'm scared now I'm scared. This is scary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. um, they, they took him in and did an assessment on him and, um, they asked, his dad and stepmom and I to go back and uh you know the doctor was just real straightforward and he just said you know you know he's he's lost a lot I mean he would probably not regain anything he said there's a surgery that we could do but he probably wouldn't regain what he had lost and I just remember just, you know I was just so confident with my words and I just said you know we're Christians and we'll be praying and we'll just see what God has in store you know yeah and um you know we just kind of went from there i mean it truly absolutely was in god's hands and i knew that and and there was comfort in that although i was scared a little bit but it really was comforting because i tony's faith was very strong as well and and i used my faith too and so yeah you felt some some sort of peace even though like among the chaos and the unknown you were still able to right. have that peace right so that's wonderful so then after his passing you're a young mom you have young children how was that for you to process like how did you cope as a young mom with children well you know i tried to keep as normal of a life as we had had we were always very busy and so we can we maintained an active lifestyle 
but I literally could not go back to work. I went back to work, um, tried to work. It was just very, very difficult. My mind just wasn't there. My hours were long. And so the kids were, you know, I mean, they were little, they were, it was too hard for me to, to maintain that. And so I ended up quitting my job and staying home with them for a couple of years. Um, I think the, mm-hmm. the big thing was just trying to stay ahead yeah. of them. You know, I knew as a wife what my life was like, but I truly didn't know everything about what they were going through emotionally. And they did get into counseling right away, um, which was good. But the counselor had just said, you know, I think your kids are great. They're on track. You know, I mean, from time to time, we would go back in and meet with the counselor if things were coming up. But for the most part, they were just, we were just a very matter of fact people. And, and this is what we're dealing with. And we just keep dealing with it. So, but my faith, their faith, my kids have very strong faith in God and, and um, knowing, you know, and I mean, in our belief, Tony died and went to heaven and, and we're very strong yeah. with that. You know, that has helped us immensely. I think that above anything else absolutely is what keeps us going. You know, you have that yeah. hope, you know. And having kids, you know, you have different vulnerable ages that they're at. So like 13 and nine and four, I mean, there are lots of big things that are happening. So Maddie mm-hmm. would have been heading into high school and, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. he would have been, you know, ending his, getting close to ending his, mm-hmm. you know, elementary career and Ellie just going into school, you know, eventually. And so yeah, all difficult times. And then to have to deal with that. And, and, you know, things come up, Yeah, you know, things come up when you're a kid. I mean, for when you're an adult too, but things come up when you're in a, when you're a kid and then to have that on top of it, that you, that kind of weighs you down a little bit. I mean, the nice thing about Madison and Quentin's friends group, they were, you know, the kids were already established. They were already playing sports and they were already in music and they were already in school and they were already in church group. You know, Ellie was little, she was still four. So she hadn't started that kind of stuff yet. And with them, you know, their friends knew Tony mm-hmm. and he, you know, cause he coached them too. He was, you know, the, their friends would come over and stay all night and Tony was here. I mean, they, so their friends knew, knew him as well. And with Ellie, she doesn't really have that, you know, um, she was like her friend group would have been too little to yeah, be cognizant of, of Tony. Yeah. 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 I mean, some of her, some of the little families knew that, but it wasn't, you know, now that she's, you know, going into high school, I mean, there's a huge gap between that time that, you know, that, well, yeah, the grace that, Madison and Quentin's friends would have maybe granted them or, you know, the, the compassion or the empathy that they may have, you know, been granted. Or just letting them feel like they're normal. Yeah, you know? sure. I mean, I think yeah. that was one of the things that I always in my head and my heart was always like, just letting the kids go and do stuff with other people um, to make their lives normal. Yeah. Cause you're, yeah. And I have to be honest. I mean, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't sad at our house growing up, you know, I mean, it was sad because there was such a void. We'll always miss him. We'll always wish that he would have been here. But I think the kids have done such a great job in handling all of this. You know, we, Mm -hmm. like I said, our faith above everything, but you know, we, we joke around, he joked around, he's been gone 10 years. There's not a day that goes by that his name's not mentioned sometime during the day. You know, we've continued to talk about him and, and not live mm-hmm. in the past, but just remember how much we loved him and how much he loved us. He was a great, he was just a great dad and husband and friend and, you know, yeah. just somebody that you like being around. Uh, and we remember that and his friends and, and other people remember that too. And that helps. Yeah. And now that, especially since the kids are older and they'll run into his friends or, you know, somebody out in public that knew him and they will say, Oh, I remember this about your dad. I remember yeah. the kids love that. Absolutely love that. They love hearing stories about anything. So. Yeah. And he was so well loved by everyone. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah. yeah. That's- you know, Tony was very resilient. His mom died when he was young and um, just the way he received people, you know, he would, he took people for who they were. He was not judgmental. He liked almost everybody. You know, there's always somebody that you just 
okay, I'm done. I'm, I'm, you know, <laughs> sure. um, but he truly did. He, he really valued people and, um, my kids have that. And I think it must be the resilience of losing your parents because that's, well, you have a new found appreciation. To. Oh, for yes. life. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. So then can we talk about after the funeral? So this is raw, you know, it is, it's, it's still raw and you're still trying to heal and you are trying to make it through the day as best you can for you and your children. Can you talk about your emotions after uh, the funeral and how you dealt all, all four of you? Um, Tony was an organ donor and it was kind of funny because he came home from work one day and he said, picked up, he had stopped at the um, DMV or whatever and picked up his driver's license on the way home. And he was all excited. He comes home and he said, Hey, I've got a, I'm an organ donor. And I was like, Oh, that'll be great. When you're 90 years old, somebody's really going to appreciate that pancreas or, <laughs> <laughs> and um, we laughed, but anyway, he was very proud that he was an organ donor. And I was very proud that he was too, because, you know, I, I mean, he just came home and said that he had done that. And I didn't know guys really thought about that kind of stuff. Little did I know that they would take him up on that offer. And, um, because he was an organ donor, um, that actually gave us a little bit more time before his funeral. And I am really appreciative of that. I wasn't in a hurry for this to be over with. And, um, you know, they had to take an extra day. Um, they did an autopsy, yeah. even though they knew what was wrong with them. But because he was in Iowa City, um, they were able to use the students up there. This was a learning thing for them. So that was good for them. And then for them to remove the organs. He donated most of his organs. His heart couldn't go um, because he did have AFib that he was on medication for, um, but his, both of his lungs, his liver, I have a list somewhere, and um, his skin, bones, and tissue were all. So he actually helped a lot of people. His eyes Oh my gosh, um, so he incredible. actually helped a lot of people. Yeah. And so again, the nice thing for us was that the funeral didn't happen immediately. You know, we had an extra day in there. And so that, that was good for us after the funeral. It is so overwhelming. And, um, so many people came out to show their respects and the visitation and the funeral. And, um, it was just a very, very, very beautiful service for him. And when the kids and I came home, I remember um, I did a few things. I locked the door. I shut off the doorbell. We all went upstairs into our bedroom and just turned a movie on. I, I turned the air conditioner up so it was colder in the house or turned it down so it was colder in the house. And we just got under blankets and just hung out. We took naps. We just watched TV. We, we just wanted to be away from everybody. And so that was, that was the first thing that we did. You know, so many things have happened in our lives since he's been gone. And day to day, it's still, you know, I mean, it's not as raw. It, it really isn't. It's still tough on some days. But the things that he misses out on are things that we miss out on not having him here, like the graduations and, and uh, milestones that the kids have made. That makes it hard still, but yeah, I can imagine that those things, you know, you find yourself wishing, Oh man, I wish Tony were here for that. That has to be, I mean, really bittersweet, you know, that these things are happening and you have such wonderful children. Um, but yeah, missing like that void you talked about. Um, Lisa, you had talked about in a previous conversation we had about, um, you had, uh, dropped your car off and you had an experience at the car shop. Could you kind of talk a little bit about what happened there? Uh, yeah, so it, it was after a, a long weekend of just a, a real difficult time, you know, really struggling. Um, my sister had come over and helped me go through some bills and stuff like that, and, and that's not stressful enough, um, but I'm doing this without my husband. And uh, so anyway, dealing with some stuff that I had been dealing with, but just really emotionally. Um, right. I remember we turned Joel Osteen on TV. He's a minister that we like to watch from time to time. And, and then I remember sitting there just being angry because, you know, Joel's mom had had cancer and um, survived. 
And I'm like, you know, either you can pray him out of it or you can't. I mean, I didn't really understand where all that was going. And so um, just a few things like that had been happening over the weekend that I was just really an emotional wreck. And uh, yeah, and so go in to, to get the car. And while I'm sitting there um, in the waiting room and I noticed that, you know, there's TV on and it's CNN on and there's an older couple across the room from me sitting on, a, on the couch and there's a guy sitting next to me and there's a, another guy walking back and forth, just kind of pacing around waiting for his stuff to be done too. And I just happened to look down beside me, there was a table that had magazines on it and the top magazine was Cosmopolitan. And, um, which doesn't mean anything cause I don't subscribe to it. And I rarely ever, I don't even know if I've ever really read one, Yeah. but, but anyway, uh, this gentleman came in and he said, you know, it's still going to be a little bit. Um, so maybe you want to go home. And I'm thinking he probably knew who I was because Tony was pretty well known. And, and I don't know either that he thought I looked distressed or something. He said, why don't you come home and come back in a little bit and then we'll be ready for you. And so I left and as I'm heading home, I'm starting to get all emotional again and just thinking kind of how unfair all of this is. And, and again, having to raise my kids on my own and, and, um, I get home and my sister's making supper for my family. And then that made me cry because, you know, here I can't even fix my own supper, my kid, you know, which is all just all blown out of proportion because my husband had just died. Right. Right. And I remember just sitting in, in our three seasons porch by myself and just crying and just really, trying to wrap my mind around all of this. And Quentin came in and he said, you know, can I go with you? And, and I said, yeah, he's always been great. He's always been my buddy, you know? And, and um, so I said, yeah, he could go with me. So we went back and uh, went in and sat down again for a few more minutes. And the older couple still there, the show on CNN was still going on. The guy wasn't walking around anymore and there wasn't anybody next to me, but I just happened to look over at the table again that had the cosmopolitan magazine on it. And, um, there was another magazine on top of it. And I just remember in my heart thinking that's for me. Uh, It didn't have, um, it didn't have a label on it. I have no idea what the magazine was. It was a little bit bigger than a reader's digest, but it was smaller than the cosmopolitan. And I just remember thinking that's for me. And I, and I even said kind of out loud, but under my breath, okay, I'll bite. And I picked up the magazine and I flipped through a few pages and my mind, my eyes went right to this paragraph and it said, you are God's plan. People are watching you for your response. You are God's plan. And that has stuck with me for the last 10 years because it's true. Tony's death is God's plan. And I had to just recognize that and let God do in our lives what God was going to do in our lives. And glorify him even though I didn't always feel gloriful. <laughs> is that a word? <laughs> sure. It is <laughs> you know, now. But, yep. but truly, but truly, yeah. Um, you right. know, it is God's plan. And I and I always knew that even when he died. I always knew that it was God's plan and I did recognize that. But just seeing that and after the weekend that I had and to pick up a magazine that wasn't there an hour before, you know, all of that fit together perfectly. Yeah. So you're having this experience. Did it help you feel hopeful? It gave me a lot of hope. And you know, it's kind of funny. I've always regretted that I didn't steal that magazine, (laughs) (laughs) but seriously, there was no, there was no label. There was no front cover to it. I had no idea what magazine that was. Yeah. It's just bizarre. But purposeful. But yeah, yes, I always wish right. that I would have just taken it with me. A memento of that. Just to have it as a kind of a reminder. But, but I've never forgot about it. And, it. and it is true. That's really powerful. So mm-hmm. how do you think that this experience has caused you to grow? Or in what ways were you forced to grow that you might not have been forced to grow if this hadn't have been an experience that you shared with your family? Well, d- just doing things on my own. Um, you know, I've always been independence, you know, to a certain degree, but when you're married, then you share the responsibilities. And so just, you know, trying to learn how to balance all of that. Um, Tony took care of our finances. I didn't, you know, I occasionally would write a check, but for the most part, he was the one that took care of all of that. So that was something that then I had to start doing. He did our laundry. He had Wednesdays off and I had Fridays off from our jobs, which was nice. And so he would 
he would do laundries on Wednesdays and then I would do other things on Friday to, you know, that's just what you do when you're a couple is, you know, you have each other's backs and you work together. You know, you just do things for your family. Um, but, you know, I mean, he contributed so much to our family. And so then for me to have to pick up those pieces too, which is difficult. Yeah. I can imagine that would be difficult mm-hmm. to kind of relearn the things that, yeah. Yeah. So then how have you continued to heal as, as a person? How have you? Well, I think it's, you know, I'm continuing to heal. You're right. I mean, I'm still healing. It's, it's a lifelong thing. It'll never, you know, it'll never be what it was before. And so you have to recognize that early on, I think. And I did learn early on, you know, you can't fight it. You just have to go with it. I I've learned to forgive myself for some things too, you know, things that you miss out on things that you, you know, you can't do it all. And I, you know, and I've really had in the last, I think the last couple of years, especially I've, I've been trying to do that more um, because I beat myself up for things that have happened or didn't happen or, and I just have to remind myself that, you know, I'm one and um, like everybody else, I'm, I'm in the process. So, yeah. So then what would you say has been the most difficult part of this experience? Like what have you, Um, have you had anything that you really struggled with during this time? You know, the whole process, the whole ordering a headstone for your 43 year old husband, you know, I mean, and it's permanent. Yeah. (laughs) And so you want it to be just right. You know, I mean, just things like that, that, that a, a person that didn't go through that wouldn't understand or wouldn't, you know, have, have to experience. Thankfully, I mean, I, you know, I don't wish this on anybody. I'm, I'm grateful for, um, who has been with us and, and who has helped us and continue to, and new friends and old friends. And, but, um, yeah, it's just a, it's just a lifelong thing that just continue to deal with. And that's interesting because I was listening to a story on NPR a long time ago, probably like three years ago. And it talked about this thing called ambiguous loss. And as humans, we sometimes, you know, you hear like, oh, you know, if you lose a relationship, uh, like for example, you're like a divorce. Okay. Well, there's, you just need closure. Okay. So we, we say this, this closure I'm using air quotes, like closure, we need closure, but the scientist who kind of coined this term ambiguous loss says Mm -hmm. that there is no such thing as closure as humans, you know, there's just ambiguous loss. So that is learning to live with what has been taken away. So it's never just like, okay, and now I'm over it, which is what closure kind of implies. But instead there is this, yep. And now I'm learning to live life a different way. And so I I have lost this thing and I'm mourning this thing that I have lost, no matter, you know, what it is like a child or a spouse or a relationship of some sort. We have loss that we just have, we have to live through and um, kind Mm -hmm. of cope and not seek, you know, this like feeling of like, oh, I should be over it by now because that can be hurtful and really unhelpful. Right. And there's no timeline, Cammie. There is no timeline. I mean, you know, it's not as painful as it was if it happened yesterday. Or I remember a year after Tony passed away, I remember just kind of feeling a little bit better, you know, or, or when the next person's husband or wife or another young person died, then it was like, you know, okay, how can I help them? I'm just glad that it's not me. You know, I'd already been through that. I'm I'm glad that it's not me. Here's a casserole, you know? And I think, I think some things that the kids and I've done is we we were part of the donor network for quite a while. And then, you know, more people come in. So you're, you're, you know, it's not a, I mean, it can be a lifetime thing if you want it to be, but you know, you, they get you where you need to be. They, they help you get through so many things. Um, We have friends who very, very, very close friends who have lost um, their spouses at a young age and left their children. And, you know, we're a network, we're a community, we're a family with these people that the only reason we're even friends is because we've lost spouses or um, there's a really close family that we have here in town. We were friends with them before their husband, father died, but now they're just an extension to us and we're an extension to them. Yeah. Well, you have that incredible empathy, you know, not like anyone else. I mean, that's, that's a pain that I mean, is 
raw and real and yep. difficult to share um, as, as well intended as people right. may seem or be, if you haven't experienced that, you, you cannot possibly no. fathom. And you knowing. really have to have, I remember um, one of my friends had lost her husband. They were actually classmates of mine and he passed away several years before Tony did. And I remember calling her one day, I dropped my kids off at school and I was just literally driving around in my car. I didn't even, I mean, I couldn't even think what my next move was going to be. And I just happened to pull into mm -hmm. Target. Well, that was always an excuse, but anyway, I just happened to pull into Target. Right. <laughs> and I sat in the parking lot and I called her and I just cried. And she, she knew exactly, I didn't even have to talk about it. She knew exactly, you know, what I was going through. And that was what we decided we wanted to strive to be for other people too, if they wanted it was, you know, just to be that ear, you know, just to listen to people or to, or to take food or to, you know, to share our, our experience or to not even talk about it at all. Sometimes just being around somebody that's, that's been through that, you don't even have to talk about it. And, yeah. uh, and we do have, we do have some very close friends because of Tony's death mm -hmm. and because of, you know, what they have gone through also. And, uh, and we're grateful for that, you know, and then, you know, we, we have inside jokes, not bad jokes, but we have inside things yeah. too, that, you know, sometimes people say things and they mean well, but they don't. Right. They don't get it. Right. Right. I remember even when my dad died and, and an older lady came through the, the visitation line and here, my mom has just lost the love of her life and they would have been married 50 years in a couple of months. And, and this lady that stopped to, to share with my mom, just something about her life that was completely irrelevant to <laughs> what my mom was going through. But right. Just sure. funny little things like that, that, you know, I mean, <laughs> people are good. People are very, very good. And people have been so supportive of us and, you know, we're, we're grateful for that, but we truly are grateful for the people that have continued to, to be, you know, part of what we've had to deal yeah, with. Yeah. You've been able to do life together so, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So. You have to, you, you really do. You need somebody to help you through it or to get you through it because it's not something that, you know, and, and we're not intended to be here alone. We're really not. I mean, and it's a you know, as far as me, um, you know, being a widow and raising the kids, I mean, it's lonely. It really is. But to what degree? You know, I mean, my kids have been mm -hmm. my strong point. They are what get me out of bed in the mornings mm -hmm. and help me, you know, and, and I am yeah. that for them too. Yeah. I hope, <laughs> you know, and so, yeah. um, that, you, you know, you have each other and you have a wonderful support system and more than anything, those children are fantastic. And so, yeah, absolutely. So I like that you talked about, you know, that little it's, it, I like to call them little sprinkles of, you know, joy or sprinkles of that make the pain tolerable. Um, yeah. Like the woman who came yeah. to your mom yeah. sharing a piece of her life, not relevant. No, thank you. But yeah. uh, thank you for being here. Yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> so right. when dealing with Tony's, you know, just the absence of having Tony, right. what little sprinkles of joy did you find or pieces um, that you were able to see during the grieving process? Um, well, so one huge thing, and several people have been benefited from this as well. So after Tony had passed away, um, I was downstairs in the laundry room and it was like the, you know, one of the worst days in my absolute life. And I am going through the clothes that he had on that day to wash them. So I'm going through the pockets to make sure that there's no Kleenexes or, you know, Oh, a hundred dollar bill would not have been great. <laughs> um, so just making sure that, you know, clean out yeah. all his pockets and everything. And, um, he had on route shorts cause he worked for Coke and he had on route shorts that day. And so I was going through the shorts and when I got to the last pocket, I pulled out a dime and I thought, of course you only had a dime. Tony would have given his last dime to anybody. And it reminded me of a story of, you know, I'm down there getting his laundry ready. I, I was reminded of the time that he um, came home from work and he was just starving and hadn't eaten lunch. And I said, well, I thought you had money with you. And he said, yeah, I had like $5, but I gave it to the Salvation Army kettle. And I was like, why would you do that? You know, I mean, that was your lunch money. And then I stopped myself and I said to him, you know what, you did the right thing. You know, of course you gave somebody your last $5 because that was the kind of person that he was. And so since that day, I, I can't tell you how many, but we find dimes from time to time. And you know, you know, when you find a dime and, you know, they talk about pennies from heaven, 
you know when it's just change and you know when it's there to remind you that you're being thought of that that you were loved that it'll be okay and um we have found several dimes in that capacity and and so i think dimes are a big thing for us i was telling when tony and i first started dating one of his best friends was a, a gal that he had been friends with for years they didn't date they were just really close and depended on each other for you know help through things she had a she had a daughter that she was raising by herself and tony had had his girls and you know, so, I mean, they just were really good friends. And um, yeah. I remember I was over at her house one day and I was telling her the dime story. We were just sitting in the driveway in my car and we were talking. I dropped something off at the house that day. And, and she just looked at me and she said, I was on a run this morning at 5.30, which it was still dark out. And she said, when I got up to the intersection, um, just up the street, she said, I saw something shiny in the street from the street light. And I reached down to pick it up and it was a dime. And, you know, there's several people that, you know, after I've shared that with them, that they have found some dimes in their lives. And, and that really is a big sprinkle in our lives. Absolutely. To have that reminders, reminders, like you said. Mm -hmm. And it's usually when you're really feeling like just chugging along, just kind of struggling with something or Quentin had, um, the first dime that he found, he had, um, gone, we had a, his, he had some friend or had a friend that the parents were just so good um, to take him to places and to do things with him. They took him to an Iowa game. Now he was nine years old and they took him to, a, to an Iowa game and they were tailgating that day. And he said that they went over, he and the friend had gone over to the cooler to get a lemonade out of the um, cooler. And when they walked back, there was a dime where he had been standing. You know, it's just little things like that that, you know, and that made his day great, you know, knowing that his dad was probably there with him. Well, first tailgating, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and lemonade. Had and lemonade. Yeah. Hawkeyes one and <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, all of my kids have great stories like that too. And, and those are the things that, that I'm, that I appreciate yeah. a dream. Sometimes, sometimes I'll have a dream about him. Um, mm-hmm. The kids will have a dream about him. Um, sometimes they seem a little more real than a dream those things are wonderful. Yeah. But, or, or, or a friend or a call or, you know, I mean, just the, you know, those things all help. They happen and they're, yeah, they're comforting and they give you mm-hmm. a better sense of, yeah, peace. I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I have a couple more questions, Lisa. Okay. So what would your encouragement be to a woman or a man or, you know, anyone who has lost a spouse, what would your encouragement be to him or her? Um, for me and not everybody has the same beliefs, but my faith in God has gotten me through every circumstance that I've been in. So if, you know, if, if you're a Christian and you pray, uh, let God help you through these times Um, not everybody believes the way that I do. Um, if there are people in their lives that can help, um, alleviate that pain because it's, it's a pain, like no other pain, a broken heart is the worst pain that I've ever felt. I've had three kids, (laughs) you know, so I would say that Mm -hmm. to connect with people that have gone through the same thing, you know, a similar thing. I don't connect as well with, you know, somebody that's lost a sibling, um, because I've not lost a sibling but I've lost my husband and my kids have lost their dad. And so if, you know, if you can find somebody that has a similar experience and like I said, you don't, you don't even have to talk about it. Sometimes you're just in a room with somebody and you just have that sense of comfort because even though you're not talking about it, you get each other. And, and that would be my biggest thing. And, and it gets better. I mean, it's, yeah. You know, there, it's, it's always going to be a void that I don't want or that I don't want my kids to have, you know, I, you can't fight it cause you're not going to win. And so you, you just have to make it work. Yeah. I like what you said about occupying space with people that, you know, have a similar experiences that like you said, losing a sibling is not the same as losing a spouse. Losing a mother is not the same as losing a spouse. I mean, different um, different pain, definitely. Um, and each has its own unique right. well, pain. And, 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 
I, re I remember one time um, an adult, I remember, t you know, Maddie and I had run into somebody and we were talking to this adult, and I mean adult older than me, and here Madison was still young. I mean, I think she was still in junior high. And I remember this adult saying to her, well, you know, my dad died over the summer, so I know what you're going through. And when we left, Maddie looked at me and she's like, how could she possibly know what I'm going through as a junior high student when she's, you know, older than dirt, you know, I mean, people yeah. mean well, but truly, I mean, you, you have the to timing of the right. Yeah. And it wasn't a helpful thing for her to say that to my daughter, but then again, she was being kind and, you know, I'm not trying to be critical about that, but hearts in know, the right realistic place. About, maybe yeah. Be realistic about it. You know, I mean, when my dad died, it was very, very, very sad, but my dad was almost 80 years old. Right. You know, the, yeah. my kid's dad died. It was very, very sad and it was tragic and it was horrific and it was a lot of things. During you know? a vulnerable age. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So not that other people, I, and I, and I say this and I mean it, it's all the same pain. It's just a different face. Yes. So it doesn't yeah, matter good. if it's an older person or a younger person, or I, I don't, I don't mean to take away from it like that at all, but, but just be realistic in your comparisons. Yeah, absolutely. I love mm -hmm. that. I like that. The, that's a, that's a good way to spin it. It's all the same pain, just has a different face. Yeah. yeah. So then my last question for you, Lisa, what would your advice be to people who are supporting a person who has lost a spouse? So um, as your sister or as your brother, how could, how could he or she best support you? Well, just people in general. I think I have, I have learned not to say to somebody, how are you? Because it's a loaded question. I mean, how do you think I am? Mm -hmm. How do I think you are? I try to say things like, it's nice to see you out. It's nice to see you, you know, and still offering. I mean, is there anything you need? Here's my phone number if you want to call, if you want to talk. Or my sister and brother, my brother doesn't live here, which is unfortunate because my kids and I, of course, but my kids just love him. And so it would have been great for them to grow up and have him, you know, do fun stuff with him too. And I know that he would have, but he can still give that support to us on the phone or, you know, when he, you know, when we do see each other and stuff. And then, you know, my sisters, her, she and her family have always been here and we, they've all gone through that with us. So for them to support us, I think that just the continuing, the unconditional love, because sometimes yeah. we have ugly times in our lives and it's not an excuse. It's the reality. And, um, circumstances with everything, you know, a bad day at work. Uh, I don't have money right now in my account to, you know, buy you a new pair of shoes or, you know, there's just a lot of things that, that I think, you know, that we go through that other people really don't understand. Yeah. And that's where your, your people that you can be real raw with, you know, we have a lot of friends. We have a lot of people in our lives that are wonderful, but Mm -hmm. truly the circle of people that we would be real and raw with are very small um, because it's kind of a burden, I think, to other people too. I mean, even though people are there, there's just some things that I have not shared because when you lose your spouse and you realize some things, it's not something that you, you know, it, I mean, if you lost your spouse, then it's just something that you would have to learn on your own. I don't know if that makes any sense at all, but yeah, you know, there's just, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it yeah. is, it's a unique it experience is. that, yeah, it is. So, but we are grateful and we are grateful yeah. for our, you know, for our faith and, and knowing that, you know, God's never left us. And, you know, that's just huge for me. And even when it felt like yeah, he had, he hadn't. Yeah. yeah. Even when it, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, Lisa. Doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that every day's great. You know, we still have bad days, but we, we have a lot of great days and we have a lot of fun and we, you know, you just have to, you just keep moving. You just keep going. Man. And the sense of humor that each of your kids they have. really are very funny. I mean, they, I laugh until I cry. Yeah. I laugh until I cry yeah. whenever I speak yeah. with them. They're just so, they're just so great. Yeah, so. they really are good human beings. And I am so very proud of each of them for what they've 
gone through and who they are and who they will continue to be. So, yep, they're good. But it's people like you too, Cami. You know, all of my kids absolutely adore you and your family and your extended family. And, um, <laughs> you know, the, I mean, truly, they, you know, they, they know who their safe people are in life. And, you know, and, and I will tell this too. There was a, a, a guy who was a friend of ours and he actually pulled Madison over one time and talked to her. And he said to her, you know, you're going to have a lot of people in your life and you're going to have some men in your life and not everybody's going to have the right intentions. And, um, and he prayed with oh, her. Wonderful. And I thought, you know, I'm always, I've always been so appreciative of that conversation that he had with her because I think that has also really helped to shape who she is and, and the direction. She's a very strong, sometimes strong headed, but mm -hmm. she's very strong and she, yeah. Um, she needed to hear that and she needed to hear it from a dad and I, I'm not a dad. <laughs> so, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's really cool to see all of these, you know, these relationships that you might have been worried that, well, they're not going to get this filled because, you know, dad isn't here, but yeah, right. You know, but it sounds like through the the thick of it there have been little pieces that have, have been. been encouraging and um refreshing during mm -hmm. during that time and and truly i mean when i say this nobody wants to see anyone go through this yeah and 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 that goes for us too i mean mm -hmm. when you know if someone young dies and leaves their family i mean we're all just heartbroken because we know the reality of it and um you know, but it, you can't, you can't fight it and you can't, uh, you have to live it in order to get through it. Which is so just excruciating. Very difficult. Yeah. It is very difficult, but it's manageable. Well, and you are such a wonderful mother and a wonderful member of oh. our community. And you have, you just have so much to offer anyone. And I know that anyone who meets you just loves you automatically, Lisa. And oh, well, I don't, that's not always true, but thank you. Well, Kim, I, I that's how I feel. So, <laughs> oh, well, and that's all that matters that's because that matters. you are my favorite. <laughs> so, so Lisa, I just want to say thank you so much for sharing your story. Is there anything else that you would like to leave someone who might be listening? Just, I don't know. Just, just keep going. I mean, just keep going. That's all you can do. Yeah. Dory, just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Just that is keep absolutely swimming. true. Well, perfect. Well, thank you, Lisa, so much for being here. I so appreciate your time well, thank and you for sharing. inviting me. Yes, I'm so glad. So, guys, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Bee Podcast. I hope to see you again on the next episode. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. Make sure to click the link in the description to join the Hive membership for only $5 a month. Join me in an exclusive mission to see that all stories everywhere are shared. And don't forget to rate and review our pod so that all women everywhere can find us, be encouraged, and be inspired. Again, thank you so much for listening. Screenshot this week's episode and share on your social media to bring awareness to this project. I'll catch you next week. I'm Cami Milliken, and this has been The Bee Podcast.